Welcome to Calvary the Hill. Uh, we are uh, in our last week of our study through the book of Philippians. Um, it's not a long book, but it took us what, four months. So where else do you go in your life where it takes four months to read four pages uh, than church? <laughs> But yeah, we're going to finish today, and uh, our title of our, our sermon today is Gospel Family, and we only have a couple verses left here, and really it kind of ties it all together, and if, if, it, if you're new, if, if you're visiting, if you haven't been with us for the last four months as we've been studying this letter, um, this letter, the, the letter of Philippians, and if you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible right in front of you, but... Um, it was written in AD 60, roughly, a long time ago. And it was written by the Apostle Paul. He was most likely in Rome, in prison. Uh, and he had just received sort of a care package from a church hundreds of miles away in ancient Greece. And he was writing a thank you card. And that's what we have been studying these last few months is Paul's thank you to his dear friends. And of course, like Paul always does, he takes the opportunity to disciple them in the way of Jesus, even in a thank you card. And so he's been encouraging them to, as we've been studying, to, to joyfully press on for the gospel. That the gospel is the thing you should be rallying around because it's the thing that unites, as was prayed just a minute ago, all people, all tribes, all tongues, all nations. And that's been the theme of our entire study. And so, yeah, for these last few verses, I want to do something a little bit different. I, I want us to walk away from this letter with the whole thing ringing in our ears. Okay? And it's only four pages, so we're going to read the whole thing this morning, y'all. <laughs> it took us four months to read four pages, but today we're going to read four pages in one day. It's beautiful. But a few themes I want us to be listening for. And these are the themes that these last three verses are going to hit. The first one is miraculous unity. That in the gospel there is a miraculous unity that's available to us. No matter who we are. No matter what we look like. No matter what our lives look like. No matter where we stand in the socioeconomic range. No matter who you are. The gospel unifies, and it brings us together, and we can embrace that. And then secondly, watch for joyful perseverance, that even despite hardship, even despite difficulty, we can persevere, but not just get through life. We can thrive because of Christ. And then lastly, intimacy with Christ. Watch out for the theme of daily, ongoing beautiful, available intimacy with your Creator, uh, Jesus Christ. So those are the three themes I want you to be listening for. But uh, Will, come on up. Where are you? There you are. Uh, we're going to have a, a cross-section of our gospel family read through uh, each passage this morning. So Will's going to kick us off. Yeah, turn to chapter 1 of Philippians. 
<clears throat> Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in, <clears throat> in you will begin or will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment, imprisonment and in the, the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, for I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that you that your love may, be, uh, may abound more and more with knowledge and with all discernment so that you may approve that what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaimed Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers, and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your pro progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, 
so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you, that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, not fr and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. So, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every, uh, that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Thanks be to God. Light in the world. Therefore, my beloved, as you have o always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Chapter 2, verses 19 through 30. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have one... Uh, for I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they seek all, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, um, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly 
I myself will come also. I, I have thought it necessary to send you to Ephroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor, such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Chapter 3. Finally, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me, and it is safe for you. Look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks that he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever I gain, I, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them all as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many a for many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and their glory is and their glory they glory in their shame, with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body 
by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Eodia and I entreat Syntyk to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companions, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. God's provision. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet, yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even, if, even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have revived, received full payment and more. I'm well supplied having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's stand for the last three verses. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you for this beautiful letter. Lord, interrupt us this morning. Interrupt us with your word. Or your word created the universe. And so I pray that it would create new life in us even today. And we give you our time together. And it's in Jesus' name we gather. Amen. All right, have a seat.
That was kind of fun, huh? <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for participating, for those who read. Um, all right, so we're on these last three verses, and they give us a window into a gospel family. And so for us, you know, we're, we're a gospel family. We're family, you and I, in Christ. And so for us, how, how do we keep what we've learned in this letter at the forefront of our lives, you know, both collectively, together, and individually as we go into our separate areas? How do we keep what we've learned present with us? And so in these three verses, we see three aspects to a gospel family. For the, in the first verse, we see the miraculous unity that comes in Christ. In the second verse, we see joyful perseverance for Christ. And lastly, we see daily intimacy with Christ. So verse 21, it says, Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. And moving into verse 22, all the saints greet you. Notice the escalation that happens in this verse. You know, it starts off with just Paul sending a personal greeting. Hey, all you folks in Philippians, greet every person from me. I, I want each person in your congregation to know that I care for them individually. But then he escalates it and says, the brothers who are with me greet you. And then finally, he declares that all the saints greet you. What does that even mean? How, how can Paul say that? Every Christian in the world greets you. What is he saying here? He's saying that Jesus binds people together. He's saying that even those who have never met are united in Christ. You know, how do we move forward as a gospel family? We embrace this. We embrace this miraculous and unexpected unity that we have. You know, people across typical dividing lines find themselves bound together as family in Christ. It's miraculous. It's, it's beautiful. It's unexpected. And it's something to embrace. Christ Jesus is and always will be the locus and focus of our communal life together. And we are also united across space and time to all who are in Christ. Cindy and I were at a local nursing home last week, and we were doing some, some they were calling it religious visits, where people who are, are in long-term uh, Basically, they're on bed rest or other reasons. They can't go to church. And so they were requesting someone to come and bring the church, bring God, bring, a, bring prayer to their bedside. And something that Cindy said just caught my attention, which was, you know, you don't know me and I don't know you, but in Christ, I know you and you know me. And so we were able to pray for them and, and just automatically have that kinship with someone with anyone we meet who has Jesus as the most important person in their life. When, when we go about our, our daily business, when you meet someone for whom Jesus is the center of their life, you know them, they know you. Even people across denominational 
racial, socioeconomic, and dare I say it, political lines. When we meet someone who has Jesus as their Lord, we're one with them. And that's beautiful. And we can embrace that miraculous unity. And then Paul moves on and says, so all the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. And here, my point is that we joyfully persevere for Christ. But how do we make that connection? Here, Paul says, especially. So above all, these people, these believers who are a a part of Caesar's household. So he emphasizes one group of believers in Rome who want to give their regards to the Philippian church. And so what does this mean? What is, why is Paul emphasizing this group specifically? And remember, household in this, in this usage, he's not saying, you know, Caesar's nephew greets you as well as Caesar's sister. No, household was, was a broad category of people who, who worked at, at the palace or who worked in Caesar's sort of inner circle. It could have been up to a couple thousand people. And yet these were people who had an inn at the very heart of the Roman Empire. And so Paul wants the Philippians to know, since they are part of a Roman colony, that even in Caesar, Caesar, the emperor, even in his own social circles, there are Christians. And so Paul's saying to them, you know, you in Philippi, yeah, it's a Roman colony where you are navigating tricky waters of how to be Christians in the midst of a Roman colony where there's expected allegiances, where Caesar was revered as Lord. Caesar was revered as Savior. And Paul's saying, guess what? I am in actual Rome. And guess what? The gospel has already penetrated the very core of the empire. So, you can joyfully persevere. Why? Because the kingdom of Jesus is bigger than any other kingdom. The kingdom of Jesus has already subverted and is entering the heart of Rome itself. The kingdom of Jesus has a certain way of sneaking into the most unexpected places. You know, and many of us have, have people in our, in our hearts, in our lives, close people that we love and care for dearly, who we couldn't imagine would know Jesus. We could, in a million years, they will confess Jesus as Lord. You don't know. You don't know. God loves those people more than you do. God's gospel can penetrate into places that you couldn't even fathom. Even Caesar's household. And he's drawing them to himself. Don't don't sell your loved ones short. Don't sell your coworkers short. God loves them. And he wants the gospel to sneak in. And it does that. It's been doing that for 2,000 years. And so we can persevere joyfully because God is building his church, not us. 
God is building his church. And so we embrace miraculous unity. We joyfully persevere for Christ. And lastly, we have a daily intimacy with Christ. In verse 23, he closes the letter and he says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. So Paul here concludes with a benediction that speaks of the intimacy of Jesus that is available to each one of us. And it's not just the grace of Jesus with us, it's the grace of Jesus with our spirit. Eugene Peterson, who wrote the the message translation or paraphrase, he he says says it like this, Receive and experience the amazing grace of the Master Jesus Christ deep, deep within yourselves. God wants our daily lives. He wants our daily lives as individuals, as well as together, as a community to be infused with the present reality of Jesus. That Jesus is with you. He's with your spirit every day. The title of our our series was Joyfully Pressing On, and and joy and, and rejoicing has been an ongoing theme of this letter. But the word grace that Paul starts off with in verse 23, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that word is at the root of the Greek word joy and the Greek word rejoice. The grace of Jesus, the impenetrable grace an unmerited favor of God on you. That is the foundation of our joy. That's how we have joy in the midst of trial. It's founded on the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are are not just saved by His grace. We are also sustained by His grace. We can only do what he's called us to do because of his grace. And yet, and we also have hope because of his grace. Jesus Christ's grace is our past, our present, and our future. Not just as individuals, but as a church, as a, as a family. And so as we, as we move forward together into the summer, into a new season, into new unknowns. If we are in Christ, we are never alone. We have the encouragement of one another. As Paul reviewed, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. We who are in Christ are a loving family for one another. And so we have the encouragement of one another and we have the faithfulness of Jesus to go on. And we can be confident in Him. As Paul said, In chapter 1, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you, and he's talking plural here, he began a good work in you, you you church, he will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And so how do we know he'll be faithful to us now? We know because of what he's already done. And we know because of what he will do. What did he do already? James read it. The eternal Son of God, who was himself by nature 
God emptied himself of his divine privileges, took on flesh, and not just flesh and and became an, an awesome rich emperor guy. No, he took on flesh and became a servant and suffered for our sake. What he did earned him the right to do what he will do. And what will he do? He'll be on the throne. He will receive the worship of every single person who has ever lived. But he also will come. It says, from heaven we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, our physical body, our dying body. He'll transform it to be like his glorious body. That's what he will do. And so we we know what he did. We know what he will do. And so now we know he'll be faithful. His faithfulness is guaranteed. And so how do we access this, this daily intimacy that is available to us? Well, the best way I've found thus far in my 34 years of life is to be desperate for it. I've never been more desperate for Jesus than I am right at this moment. And that's what the Spirit of Jesus is for. It says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. How is the grace of Jesus with our spirit? By his Spirit. That's what the Holy Spirit is for. He he is to be with us, to convince us of God's intimate presence, to pour out God's love in our hearts so that we might know we are loved and then can pour that out for others. To empower us for His purpose. To equip you for the places and spaces He's called you to. For the relationships He's put in your life, in front of your face. He will not leave you as orphans, He said. But He will go and He will ask the Father and the Father will provide another helper a comforter, an advocate, a counselor. His name is the Holy Spirit. He's to be with you every day. Recognize your desperation for God's presence and ask Him to fill you in your day with His closeness. And we pray the same for our church family. We want our family to grow. We want to have spiritual children. And real, not real, physical children. There's there's one future mom in our midst. It's beautiful. This church is, it's a family. We support one another. We encourage one another. We are united under one person. His name is Jesus. As we seek to be on mission together. Wasn't that such an encouraging letter? Now we're going to move on next week to spend a month in Isaiah. And we're going to look at the, the servant songs that Isaiah speaks of. And it's talking about the future servant of the Lord. And many of you have read Isaiah 53 that, that basically in pretty vivid detail describes the future suffering 
of the Son of God on our behalf. But there are other songs like it that describe the work and the person of Jesus. So we're going to spend a month looking at that. But here in Philippians, you know, what we, the primary lesson we can learn is that we can have the mindset of Christ. That together we can embrace and be of one mind, of full accord, in one spirit, embrace the gospel. And if we do that, there ain't no, nothing stopping us. Let's pray. Dear Father, we just praise you. We praise you for Jesus. We praise you that we, a motley crew, people from all backgrounds, from all walks of life, can come together and be a family and walk alongside each other as we seek to embody Jesus Christ in truth and in love to this city. I can't go where each of these people go. Lord, you've called us all into different areas of this city to be your hands and feet, to, to spread your love for the people of Seattle, for the people in Capitol Hill, for our, for our families, for our coworkers, for anyone we encounter. Your Spirit is leading us, guiding us, empowering us to do that. And so we entrust ourselves to you, Lord, as we, as we finish this letter out, as we are deeply encouraged by it, we ask for a fresh outpouring of your Spirit with us as we go forth from here, as we enter a new season, as we enter the summer, as we enter a new season of our church. Lord, there's many unknowns there's unknowns in the life of our church. There's unknowns in the lives of one another. Some of us are going through some of the hardest times we've ever encountered, ever in our entire lives. And yet you are God. And yet you love us so dearly. We are desperate for you, God. We are desperate for you. Please meet us where we're at. Forgive us of our sins Help us to have a desperation for you on the forefront of our minds every single day. Empower us to love one another. Empower us to forgive one another. Empower us to have a heart for the people out there that typically we look at with, with jadedness or cynicism or us versus them. Jesus didn't do that. And so we want to have the heart of Jesus for this city. We want our hearts to break for this city. We can only do that. We can only have the energy, the strength, the power, the, the love that we need for this city. We can only have it if you give it to us. And so this morning we're asking for it. As we worship you, God, I, I pray that you would meet each person where he or she is at. And collectively, God, help us to become a more unified body of believers who are persever persevering joyfully for Christ as we experience the intimacy with God that is available in Him. And we pray all these things in His name, the name above every name, Jesus Christ. Amen.
We're going to spend some time worshiping Jesus, worshiping the Father. This morning, the table is set for communion. For those of you who have confessed Jesus as your Lord, who, who seek to obey Him with your very life, the table is set. His blood poured out, His, bro- his body broken for you. Feel free to come grab it in your own time. We're going to spend some time singing songs of worship. And then McGee and Ashley will be down front here. They'll be available to pray with you. If you want a laying on of someone's hands to encourage you, to pray for you, to bear your burdens, come receive that. If you want to give of of offerings or tithes, you can do that via this box here. But let's just spend the rest of our time together enjoying a worship session of the God of the universe, who's incredible.